BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You're listening to Marketing News Canada. Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. I'm Amanda Lee Smith, co-founder and CEO of Monday Creative, a branding and creative studio in Vancouver. And today I'm here with Nicholas Lamy, who is the brand marketing director for EA Sports FC. EA Sports is a division of electronic arts, as most of you know, probably one of the world's leading video game developers based right here in Vancouver. They've created some of the most iconic sports games, um, including PGA Tour, NHL, and FIFA, which was recently rebranded as EA Sports FC. And Nick was a big part of that rebrand, which we're going to be hearing about today. But before we get into that, Nick, welcome. I would love to know... How on earth did you get this awesome job? <laughs> well, uh, first off, thank you very much for having me. It's an exciting time. Um, mm -hmm. I was thinking about this, actually, and uh, a bit of a, a Zoolander moment, you know, the, the who am I? Um, <laughs> and I, I realized there's, there's this sort of a, a trifecta of things that all came together. Um, I played football. I played soccer since I was basically three years old. Um, and I played for a number of years, youth, like league, competitive level, and then um, continued to play on in, uh, in sort of a recreational level um, until age and injuries get the, the best of you. But uh, football's always been a part of my life. Um, and I knew I had a love for it. And if you can sort of marry up your love and passions outside of work with a, a work, um, do you ever work a day in your life, you know? Um, video gaming, a huge part of my life uh, as a teen who didn't want to get a job and had too much uh, time and idle hands, uh, I played video games and I almost exclusively played EA Sports titles. Um, and FIFA was a, a huge part of that. Um, the original title, FIFA International Soccer, um, and then forward. And um, knowing that that wasn't going to pay the bills, um, I, I took my time, but I knew I had to go and get an education. And so... Uh, I went and I dabbled. Uh, I went into a lot of different things, um, 
just to see what I really gravitated towards. And I found my niche um, and it was in, in marketing and being on the creative side. And so I got my degree in marketing management and went to look for jobs, um, did some internships, did a, a stint at a children's entertainment company, did a stint on the agency side, um, not for me. And then an opportunity <laughs> came up uh, with EA and thankfully uh, everything came together and I've been in it ever since. What was that first job at EA? I was the associate product manager on FIFA 13 with a focus on North America marketing. So was that an entry-level job or kind of a mid-level job? Uh, I was going to take anything they offered. Um, <laughs> there was no negotiation. It was an entry-level job. Um, I knew I wanted to get in. And then from there, it's, a, it's about committing yourself, proving yourself, um, going above and beyond and, and learning along the way. Yeah. How many years have you been at EA now? Uh, I recently found out and I've been there for just over 10. Oh my goodness. A decade. So that's what it takes. You got to work up from the bottom and yeah, work your way yeah, to this level. Exactly. And it's uh, it's an annual grind. Um, I think if you took it in cat years, I've been there for 70. So yeah, it takes a toll, but it's uh, it's a fantastic place to work. And there's a fantastic group of people around us. What do you think was the secret to working your way up from that entry level role to where you are now? Um, I very, very infrequently said no to anything, um, because you're losing out on an opportunity to experience something or learn something. Um, it's okay not to know what you're getting into, but to have a, uh, a perspective of wanting to try and being okay to fail. Um, part of that I think is just showing initiative, um, and committing to something, but that's ultimately how I learned on the job. Like I, I like to say, I got a bit of a mini masters through, working in the organization and getting different touch points and different uh, people across the organization. Um, and, and ultimately, that's, I think, how I, I built step to step um, to where I am today. Yeah, awesome. So your your Premier League career didn't work out. And this was kind of the next best thing. Oh, I wouldn't have even been MLS. <laughs> there you go. Um, okay, well, speaking of soccer or football, very excited to hear about the launch of the new brand for EA Sports. Um, beautiful rebrand. You guys did such a good job. I know lots of people touched it. I'd love to know what were the big considerations or goals going into that rebrand process? Yeah, I, I mean, it was, it was a pretty pivotal thing in, in a, a very monumental moment in the franchise. Um, so I think at a, a base level, we just wanted it to work. Um, and knowing where we were coming from, we had a huge pedigree and history with EA Sports, you know, um, a powerhouse in the industry for over 30 years now. Um, and that wasn't going anywhere. We still have our overarching brand. And so um, that was great because we knew we could lean into that equity. Um, but the other part of our brand um, previously was something that we didn't fully own. And so the FIFA name um, and what that meant had dual meaning depending on who you're talking to or, or where in the world it was being brought up. Um, some people thought we were FIFA. Some people thought it was the mm -hmm. football organization. And so um, we wanted to have something that that stood out and could stand alone, um, but that directly connected back to the sport and back to who we are. And so throughout that process, um, FC is synonymous with football. Uh, even if you look in North America, I think about half the teams in the MLS, even though it's soccer here, um, a lot of them have the, the FC moniker. And so um, it's a synonymous thing no matter where you are in the world. And so leaning into that, because we are uh, a version of a football club, we might be a virtual one, 
um, and we have a lot of partners in that space, but you know, we have 70 million strong following us. Um, we're um, a, a virtual football club. And so leading into that, and then also um, knowing that we, we wanted to try and be rooted in what we are, which is a tech company and a video game company, um, going down a route of exploration on, on what that meant and working with an agency to help bring it to life. But yeah, I think at a base level to your, your question, um, we wanted to be true to who we are. Um, so video games, true to who we are, football, um, and then something that would resonate uh, with football audiences across the globe. So you worked with an agency. Tell me about that, maybe how you chose your agency and what that process was like. I will say it, it, it varies. Um, depending on the project, uh, we'll obviously go out to different agencies who maybe have uh, a level of pedigree um, or quality in certain spaces. For, for this specifically, um, we have a very deep team internally. Um, we have really, really talented people. And so um, we knew we could do a lot of the work we knew we wanted to get an external perspective to try and drew, uh, drive something that's that was truly impactful. And so um, for this one, we went to people that we thought we could um, get the best response from, people that we thought would actually be able to, to respond to the brief and deliver at the scale and quality that we were expecting. Mm -hmm. Did you do an RFP process or did you go directly to a chosen agency? No, we, we did. Um, we, we went to a number of different uh, agencies with an RFP. Um, and in the end, you know, the, the biggest thing that the agency can do is, is one, interpret the brief, understand the brief, um, respond to the brief, uh, you know, yep. try, make sure that you're getting it right. And then from there, just have a unique perspective, like um, take a position, but have a belief behind that and like be able to unpack the why of what it is that you're putting in front of us. Mm -hmm. And so what ultimately drove your final selection? Clearly they nailed the why. Were there any other big deciding factors? I think, um, I think just the, the purity of it all, like what was presented back, um, obviously our mark is a, it's a triangle. Um, and there's a story there and there's a history there. And it's something that was somewhat like sitting in front of our faces the entire time, but um, didn't really appreciate it uh, until you got the full story and the full unpack from the agency around how it came together. Um, we wanted to be authentic to, to who we are and what we are. And I think, yeah, the, the purity of it all and the way it came together, um, our game is, is basically built on triangles, like uh, from a, a technical level. Um, you don't see it anymore in current iterations of the game, but in past iterations of the game, uh, you could see these polygon triangle type shapes in like the player avatars. Um, that's, uh, that's a big part of it. Um, you think about football, um, the real world of football, and you think about the beautiful game and Johan Cruyff and how it's played, like triangles. It's how it manifests on the pitch in the most purest form. And then I think that maybe the most obvious one is every game you play, whether it was past FIFA or now FC, the avatar, the person, the player you're controlling on the pitch has a nice triangle sitting above their head. And so having that come through in the response, uh, the agency response, um, it kind of just hit us on the head saying, this, uh, this, is, uh, this is it, we're on to something. Yeah. So that triangle, that indicates your player. Like if you're playing, you know that's your, that's your man on the pitch or your woman on the pitch based on that triangle that's above it. Exactly that. Yeah. So that kind of, yeah. that was like the bow on top um, that tied it all together. Yeah, nice. Um, tell me how your team was involved and maybe even more specifically, what was your role in that process as someone kind of leading the brand? Yeah, so uh, I think um, 
like I said, we've got a very talented team uh, and the, the leader of our group, uh, David Jackson, is sort of his, his inspiration and vision. Um, and then in terms of along the way and how we, we brought it to life, um, we had a core team, our strategy team, our creative team along in uh, the briefing process and agency process and helping bring it to life. Um, we also, it wasn't just a mark change, but we were stepping away from the, the FIFA name we needed mm-hmm. to um, revisit our, our purpose, like our mission, like what we stood for, because now we had the opportunity to uh, do things that we couldn't do before, um, play in spaces we couldn't play in before. And so we wanted to make sure that it wasn't just a, a visual rebrand, but a true identity change. And so we had our uh, creative and strategy teams helping craft a, a lot of that work. Um, when it comes to, to my role within it, um, it was a little bit more around how does this come to life? Um, how do we want this to be represented to our players? How do we want to involve um, our hundreds and hundreds of partners and fans across the, the globe? And so it was more around like, what are those key moments, the key inflection points where we'll, we'll do something publicly? How are we going to show up with the brand? How do we want it to land? Um, so as an example, when we first announced it and showed it to the world, uh, it wasn't just us. Um, there was a concerted effort across a multitude of different teams to make sure that it showed up in key media channels, um, on social media channels. And um, if you would have seen it, uh, on hundreds of partner channels, and whether that's like a league partner, like the Premier League um, or La Liga, or specific individual talents or past talents that we have relationships as ambassadorships, um, we showed up everywhere with EA Sports FC um, because that's that's what we are. We're authentic, and the power of our network, the power of our partnerships in the space of football, is what really brought it to life. So it's places like that where our team, on the more specifically marketing side, brought the the mark and the rebrand to life. Mm, yeah, it's. I mean, I know uh, it's officially the the game is officially rolling out globally over the next week or two, and by the time this goes live, it'll be out in the world. For a brand that has such global reach, how do you sync everything up? What goes into ensuring that it shows up well in Asia and South America and North America? Like, yeah, what does that look like for you? Uh, a lot of time. Um, there's only 24 hours in a day, but we we have teams across the globe. And we're very, very specific and we're very tight in terms of how we bring campaigns to life. Um, and it all starts centrally and then it manifests out. And uh, I think that's super important because how football shows up in a given market um, is different. Football's tribal. And so allowing for the nuance of that and how a Brazilian fan might differ from a North American fan, might differ from a German football fan, that matters. And so taking our campaign and ensuring that we're briefing it um, but we're allowing for some creative flexibility and localization and adaptation to uh, to a campaign. But yeah, it's um, it's a very tight team. We work very collaboratively across teams um, throughout the globe. And in the end, uh, it works pretty darn well when you see moments like that truly come together um, to a minute uh, across um, across all time zones. Uh, do you have an agency in each region or do you have like EA sports teams in each region bringing that to life? Uh, it's depends on which region we, it's a bit of a hybrid, um, but everything starts with us. We have people across the globe, um, EA people, and then depending on size, scale, resource investment, um, there might be agency collaboration happening too. 
Yeah. You mentioned that by bringing the brand back into BEA, um, there were spaces you were able to play in that you couldn't previously. Is there anything specific that it opened up for you that you were really excited about? Oh, a bunch. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a few things that we're exploring pretty aggressively. Uh, we've we've got a purpose um, and a mission. We want to create the future football fandom, um, and we want to inspire the world to love football. And in order to do that, you know, to create that next generation of football fans, um, you need to reach them in new places. And um, part of what we've um, we've been trying to do, and something that we've stated publicly, is we want to grow to a billion fans. Um, which is maybe on the surface sounding wildly ambitious, but um, there's 5 billion football fans in the world. And you think about the ubiquity of, of smart devices and internet connectivity and um, 1 billion doesn't actually seem that difficult when you start to, to quantify it that way. And so that is our goal. But in order to do that, we need to start exploring some of those spaces, those, those nascent areas that we haven't been able to. Um, and that's where we're going. So a, a few of them, we're, Investing in the women's game, as an example, um, that's a key part of, of what we want to grow moving forward. It's a very rich part of the game. It's the other side, the other half of the game that arguably hasn't got the exposure and support that it deserves. And so that's a place that we're investing in. We've made a, a multi-year, multi-million dollar investment to grow the women's game. Um, and so being able to stand behind that and that investment can be through partnering with leagues, um, integrating them into the product, having female ambassadors. We've got um, internships in all the markets that we're having um, league-level partnerships with. So really trying to lean into that and grow the, the women's game. They've been introduced into our most popular mode, FIFA Ultimate Team, our FC Ultimate Team now, um, this year for the first time. And so giving them that platform and that stature to try and support women uh, is a key one. Another one uh, that we've actually somewhat recently announced, uh, but it's a really key ambition at a brand level, um, irrespective of the year-on-year product releases, is a program called FC Futures. So that's our multi-year commitment uh, to grow the game at a grassroots level. And again, a similar plan to our our women's uh, football commitment. It's a multi-year, multi-million dollar investment, and it's working with key partners. So you might see something that we've done with uh, La Liga or the Premier League. Um, or we opened up a, a pitch with Sam Kerr, who's uh, one of our ambassadors in Sydney during the World Cup. Um, so it's working mm. with partners to make sure that we're growing the grassroots game in tandem with them and their ambitions and their aspirations. Um, we're also using our product as a platform. So it's about practices. If you're a grassroots coach and you don't know how to run drills with your team, you can use our game and we'll provide packaged up pieces of content that show how to do training drills. Um, it's packs. Uh, so if people need cones or balls or pennies to make sure that they can go out and actually play the game at a grassroots level and be able to do it in a structured way, um, we're helping invest behind that. And then uh, pitches as well. So you can't really go out and practice football if you don't have a place to play. And so investing in community um, at that level to make sure that there are pitches across different markets, different areas um, with those partners that we're working with to bring it all to life. So I guess it's a, it's a very different version of the four Ps, um, but that's the, the approach we're taking for FC Futures is, is partners, practices, um, packs and pitches. And then I, love that. I think the, the, the third one um, is social and cause related initiatives. 
again, something that there was um, arguably some limitations in what we could do um, and who we could work with in that space. Um, we no longer have those limitations. And so making sure that we, we stand behind something, um, like I mentioned, the women's game, FC Futures, but also um, the things we've been doing with different partners around like no room for racism, making meaningful change at a local level. Um, it's, it's frankly the stuff that you and I had um, the pleasure of working together when we um, integrated Musqueam um, into the product last year and continuing that program this year to be able to showcase local culture, um, local art, and how meaningful that is at a community level. So um, those are the three big places that we're looking to really grow uh, and, and move forward in to help reach that ambition of reaching more fans. I love to hear that. Yeah, um, you know, listeners don't know this, but you and I first met because Monday Creative engaged with uh, EA Sports to help support the Musqueam community and to bring awareness of Musqueam soccer and indigenous Canadian soccer into the last edition of FIFA. And the result was this rich uh, landscape set out in kind of the Southlands of Vancouver out by UBC on the Musqueam territory, um, a, a replica of their pitch with Musqueam artists work, you know, littered throughout it. So that was such a satisfying project and a good testament to the investment that you all are making into local communities. So Cool. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the launch. Um, I love hearing the stories of big campaigns, what worked, what didn't, what lessons you learned. Were there any big roadblocks you hit along the way in the launch or um, just like any big learnings that you took away? Um, 
maybe not roadblocks, maybe look, let's, let's call them challenges, um, overcomable yeah. challenges. Uh, I think the big one was recognition. Um, anytime you change something, especially with, with 30 years of familiarity, um, people are, are going to react or people aren't, aren't necessarily going to immediately understand what's happening. And so um, communication was key. And that was something that we were very, very specific about and directive about early days was um, it is going to look different. It's going to sound different. And we need to make sure that people understand that um, in effect, nothing changes. Um, yes, uh, and I say that a lot is changing, but in terms of what people can expect when they get the, the same product that they, that they love um, and play year on year, um, nothing's changing. We're just growing and we're moving on. And so making sure that people understood that EA Sports was still there, um, that the game was still going to be great, and that we were simply um, changing the name, the mark, and then a little bit more like our ambition, our purpose. Um, but for the people that are fans on a day-to-day -day basis, um, the game's still authentic. We still have all of our great partnerships. Um, and so again, taking a very, very purposeful and intention-driven focus on when we bring it to life, we don't do it alone. We do it with our partners. We make sure that all of the same credible league logos, club logos of our partner clubs across the globe um, are across the moments that we do something publicly. That was a key learning. Um, we had research that we, we knew we had to overcome a pretty big delta in recognition and awareness. And so that was probably arguably the biggest challenge that we had to overcome. Yeah. Do you th did it take a little while for people to embrace it? Did you get any pushback? Uh, I, I mean... It's such a subjective thing. Uh, there's there's always some visceral response anytime something changes. That's that's human nature. Um, it's understandable. Uh, I would say there was you know the expected response. Um, I would also say it's been overwhelmingly positive. Um, it's really resonated in most areas. Um, but the fact that we did get such response and the fact that yes, sure, there was some some um, visceral negative response within that. That's not a bad thing um, because, frankly, it shows that people care. Um, and what more could you want in a product and a brand is that people are passionate, people care about what you're doing, and people feel like they have a platform to voice um, their thoughts and feelings about it. So um, I would say, yeah, it was, uh, it was really rewarding to see it come to life in such an emotive way because it means that it matters. Yeah. Yeah, maybe building on that, what do you think really made the launch work? Um, I think going back to, to just how pure and how true it was to, to who we are and that history, um, a lot of our fans have been with us for many years and just, you know, there's a, an instant recognition in what they see and what they know. And then I also think leaning into our partnerships, um, there's a, a very Googleable image of Kareem Benzema, um, reigning ball and door winner and in his mouth, um, during the match uh, warm-up in La Liga for Real Madrid, he's got an EA Sports FC banner um, hanging there. And it was just one of those moments where it sort of catalyzes and, and captures everything that we were working towards for many, many months um, in a globally recognizable screenshot. That, that is truly, I think, what worked is the power of our partnerships, um, you know, having David Beckham post, having the Premier League post, um, it's it's things like that that really galvanized the the new rebrand and how we brought it to life. 
Awesome. Maybe reeling back bigger picture, where are you and more specifically, where's the brand heading next? What's next for EAFC as a brand? Yeah, I think uh, outside of the the investments in women's football and social and cause related activities that we're pursuing um, and FC Futures, we're also looking to expand our, our product footprint in a meaningful way. And so, again, you're not going to reach a billion fans through uh, a singular product, um, and that's our console product, and it's the one that most people know. But we also have um, an incredibly robust mobile product, and. When you think about where most people have a first touch point into something through gaming, it's it's by and large through their mobile device. And so um, growing that product is a, a key area of focus for us moving forward. But then also, like I said, 5 billion football fans across the globe um, and football being so tribal, you need to be able to offer different product offerings for different regionality interests or different motivation sets. And so that's something that we're looking to do is create those experiences um, to make sure that there's a product within the FC portfolio that resonates with different audiences. So we've got our, our free-to-play experience in select markets within Asia. Um, we're going to be expanding our footprint on the mobile space with uh, a net new IP, something that we haven't done in a long time on FC is introduce a new product. And so that's going to be coming to market. Um, Probably can't say exactly when and where, but there will be more news coming very soon on that front. Uh, and so that's that's a really exciting space is trying to grow towards that 1 billion fans through different experiences that we get to bring to market. Mm, love that. What kind of research goes into understanding the nuances of those vastly different markets? A lot. <laughs> a lot. Um, it's it's not something that we... we we do idly. It's not something where we, we take decisions on a whim. Um, we want to make sure that what it is that we're going to create uh, has a, a very, very strong chance of success. And um, not everything is successful, um, as with any business, but you have to try. And so going in with as much information as we can around what we think will resonate, um, testing, learning along the way, um, all of these products, nothing just comes to market net new. Like there's there's beta versions, there's um, test and learn. Um, we go out and we do um, different types of qualitative and quantitative research um, in different markets across the globe to know if something's going to resonate and work in a given region or multiple regions or be a worldwide success. Um, we try and spread our net pretty wide when it comes to understanding and, and research that goes against any decisions we make in that space. I bet those are big investments. You want to make sure that they're, they at least have some validation in advance. Um, maybe reeling back from EA Sports and just learning from you as someone that's been in the marketing space for a long time, what trends are you seeing in marketing and, and in the brands that you follow? And where do you think marketing is headed? Uh, don't have a crystal ball, but I, I think I think there's things where you, you can see just, you know, at a societal level and um, yeah, the, the ubiquity of technology and the, the instant access. Um, people have feelings and expectations um, of people, but also of brands and, and products that they support. And so I think the biggest thing is like, you have to stand for something. Like you need to have a purpose. And I think that was the, the really powerful thing that we put pen to paper on is like having a very clear purpose and a mission around what you do. But but not only you know words are fine, but words can be hollow. Um, you need to follow it up with actions. You need to follow it up with investments. You need to show that you mean it. And so if you're a brand and you're saying something, 
um, but you're just saying it, people will see through that and people will call you out on it in very, very public ways. And so I think that's a, a big trend and a big shift is um, if you're a brand, yes, you have products and yes, you, you ultimately want to commercialize said products, um, but you have a, a higher calling and a higher purpose uh, and you need to stand behind that. Yeah, we always say when we're working with uh, brands and clients that are trying to distill their values, you know, sometimes they'll shoot off these really aspirational values and we'll remind them that it's it's really only a value once you put money behind it. So I really love to hear what you're saying. I think that's excellent advice for brands. What about agencies? You've worked with lots of agencies over the years, including Monday, um, and you know that they're all different in their approach. What works for an organization like EA Sports when you're working with an agency? What do you look for? Uh, it, it'll vary, and it'll vary depending on what we're looking for. And um, it's a luxurious position to be in if we're going for you know a, a world class creative, and we want to make sure that um, that's coming to life in the right way. We'll, we'll look for a very different agency than if we were doing something maybe more um, on the strategy side, or if we were doing something maybe more on the local side. Um, so it will vary. Uh, I think the big thing is to to come in with a unique perspective. Um, you know, to have a position and um, open dialogue, uh, you know, if you get a brief, um, you want to poke and prod at that brief. You want to make sure that you're you're understanding it in order for you to be able to answer it in the way that you think is right. Um, and it's not always right, you know, not you don't select multiple agencies, you select one. Um, but to, to come in with a unique proposition, a unique uh, perspective, and to be able to back that um, with where, very clear insights and rationales to how you got there. I think that's the best thing you can do um, to best foot forward. Love that. Okay, Nick, we're going to wrap up with a rapid fire round of questions. I have a bunch of them. We'll see if we can get through all of them. Are you ready? Ready for it. Let's go. Okay. What was your first job? Oof, uh, driving range attendant. Loved it. Oh, fun. Love that. Oh, it's fun. Couldn't, um, couldn't be better. Yeah, sunshine, rain. <laughs> What was the first thing you marketed? Ooh, first thing I marketed, um, probably myself. Um, oh yeah. You know, if you think about uh, getting a job, like you're effectively you're marketing yourself. You're putting together a resume or a cover letter or having an interview. You're you're marketing yourself, or um, you know, trying trying to get a date. Um, you're you're marketing yourself. I it's probably probably myself. That's how you got your partner. That's how I got my job too. <laughs> <laughs> what time of day do you do your best work? Uh, nighttime. Yeah. Once the kids are in bed, um, once there's a bit of quiet, once the email bombardment or the, the onslaught of phone calls um, with Europe in the morning, um, nighttime, it's the, the one time you can actually focus without distraction. How late are you working? Oh, we don't need to go there. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it's uh, all hours. I, I mean, we're a global business and we'll wake up and talk to Europe in the morning and um, we'll, we'll talk to Asia in the evening. Um, so it's really just um, trying to find a bit of balance within that. But uh, yeah, hours can flex. Uh, it's a little bit like um, sport training where you almost have to just do rest and recover in the moments where you can. That's a great analogy. What, this is one of my favorite questions, what weaknesses of yours does your team compensate for? 
That is a good one. Uh, I um, self-admittedly um, struggle to see through the details. Um, you know, if we're getting to 90%, um, I know that there's a, a really, really solid team behind us that can deliver that extra 10% and deliver at absolute quality. It's the, the goal does to make things great. What's a podcast you recommend to everyone? Oh, I'm, I'm a huge Prof G guy. Um, Scott Galloway. Love it. Going to add that to my list. What is the most formative business or marketing book you've read? That's a good one. Um, you know what? It's not necessarily, it's not probably your expected business or marketing book, um, but it's a book I, I go back to often. Uh, it's Travels by Michael Crichton. And it's, it's much less about um, business or marketing. It's about life, but you can apply it to anything. Um, it's incredibly introspective, humbling. Um, and I find myself using it um, in how I try and view things in the world um, or things in my, my work life. Um, it's an incredible book. Uh, I'd recommend it highly. I saw you react to that. Do you know it? Yeah. I loved, I loved that book. Oh yeah. I got to go back to it. I think it's in my parents' library somewhere. So I'm going to have to dig it out. That's right. Right here. All right. If you weren't doing, oh, nice. If you weren't doing this job, what job would you be doing? Ooh, this might, this might sound cliche, but I, I honestly could not see myself doing anything different. Um, in the here and now, I couldn't be happier. I mean, the way I described it up top is how I feel about it to this day. I'm in, I'm in, the football entertainment industry, um, within video games, within marketing, it's the, the things that I built my life around. And now I'm at getting to do the job. Um, I don't think there's a better place to be. That's great to hear. What is one app on your phone that you cannot live without? Uh, big sports guy. I, um, I default to the score. Um, just to stay, stay plugged in on how things are going. It's the score. What's the last charity you supported, either financially or with your time? And why did you choose that charity? Um, probably the, the Autism Network. Um, uh, that or Children's Hospital. I, yeah, autism is a, something very near and dear to our family. Um, and um, they're an incredible organization and they offer incredible things and incredible opportunity and um, just help advocate and, and equalize for, um, for people in that space. And so, um, yeah, I would say it was them. Um, if not at Children's Hospital, um, we recently had a family um, health concern and they are a phenomenal organization and being able to see what they do and the care they take um, and how much hand-on-hand um, -hand support they provide to, you know, our most vulnerable. Um, it's, uh, it's really awe-inspiring to see. I love that. What's, uh, what's the best thing you bought for under $10? Oh, a ticket to a movie um, for my now current wife um, many, many years ago when, when tickets cost $10. That's a great answer. Was that one of your early dates? Uh, first one. Cute. Yeah. Okay, Finding Nemo, if that dates me. Oh, wow. Actually, I would have expected something older, to be honest. But <laughs> yeah, don't worry. <laughs> Not because you look old, <laughs> but just Finding Nemo feels like it just came out to me. So maybe that dates me. 
Um, what is a word that you overuse? Oh, I, I'm way too much into macro and micro right now. Um, yeah, it's, it's borderline nauseating, my team will say, but uh, I'm, I can't shake it. Uh, what's the context in which you're using those? Um, to be able to see things at a macro altitude, um, but then to get stuck in on micro examples and details to help contextualize. Awesome. What is the most important thing you've ever changed your mind about? This might be a very local answer. Um, investing in real estate in the lower mainland Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that's true. Same. Um, what's a newsletter or website that you recommend just as a resource or for inspiration? Um. Whew, this is probably too singular. It's Prof G. Um, uh, Scott Galloway, he's got a, a great newsletter that he sends out um, on a weekly basis. Awesome. Last question for you. What do you think are the skills that are required for our current or the coming economy and why? That's a good one. Um, I mean, tech savvy seems like a, a non-answer. Um, I would say it would behoove us all to to get into and understand AI uh, on some level. Um, That might be a little bit like, hey, um, it's the here and now, but it feels like one of those things where the the more you know, the more you'll benefit from. Absolutely. Well, Nick, I always love chatting to you and I really appreciate your time today and uh, look forward to more more chats in the future. Likewise, Amanda. Thank you very much for the time. It was great. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded at the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editor, Travis Jeffers. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.